0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. In each episode, we invite guests to have honest conversations about their mental health journeys with the goal of destigmatizing mental health within the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Due to the nature of the podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of mental health topics and possibly triggering experiences. While we and the majority of our guests are not trained professionals, we encourage you to practice self-care while listening and seek professional guidance if you or a loved one is in need of support. With that said, let's start the
1: episode. My name is Will Cho, and I would describe my mental health journey as tumultuous.
0: I'm your host, Matthew Nomura, and welcome back to the Changing Tides podcast for episode one of season two. I believe this is the 13th episode probably should have checked that before this but if this isn't the 13th episode i will cut me saying that out but thank you for joining us again thank you for coming back changing ties has been really busy since we wrapped up season one of the podcast we had a gala event in november we have photos up on our instagram and our website if you want to check those out uh really successful we had some really great speakers uh i'd like to thank kyle y who was on the podcast in season one he was one of our speakers at the event uh the crew the planning committee our host carolyn elliott was a really great event and um it was a beautiful location so i encourage you to check out the pictures if you haven't yet um i look pretty good in them um we launched ct stream our new uh therapy stipend program which we are so proud of and really excited about Uh, we'll share some statistics on that once we're able to gather it but it's a pilot program uh so far we've received great feedback and it's a really exciting development and changing tides in our future um yeah it's really exciting that we're able to launch this new program and i'm can't wait to share more about that. Uh, I was a guest on a podcast with a really great host. Uh, the Asian American podcast with Ken Fong. Uh, check it out if you want to. You don't have to. Uh, but we're going to try to have Ken on our podcast. We've been ta- I've been talking with him. He's a really great guy. And uh, I'm really excited about all the guests that we have lined up for season two so far. And the guests that will continue to line up. But I think 2022... Will be a really exciting year for changing tides and season two of the podcast will be really exciting but you have a lot to work on a lot to do and we're really excited to share that with everyone so without further ado let's jump in the first interview of this season two of this podcast before the interview i just want to give a quick content warning that we are discussing eating disorders so if that's a subject that might trigger you or make you uncomfortable. uh, I encourage you to maybe hold off on this episode or take a step back if you choose to listen, if you need to take a step back and uh, maybe tune into the next episode if uh, this one isn't for you. Uh, This guy, I met him virtually as we met a lot of people virtually, especially if you're in online school. Uh, It was right around the beginning of Asian hate crimes uh, back in 2020 when that was becoming a big movement stop aap I hate uh it's been really great getting to know him and it was great to interview him uh he's one of the most muscular shredded people i've ever seen so with that in mind uh, i'd like to introduce the interview with will cho will thank you for being on the podcast um, this is our first episode of season two, so thank you for kicking off our second season of the show. Um, before, Simon, dog just barked. Uh, before I get into the questions I have for you, I want to ask you about your mental health journey and why you
1: described it as tumultuous and what goes into that. hmm Um, I think it just... There's a lot that went on, obviously, if you're talking about the word tumultuous, it's just everything's going every which way and it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, there's a lot of different um, factors and variables that are, that are in play. Um, I think it all, it all started, I think, primarily in college. So I graduated out of UCLA in 2019. So I'm two years since I've graduated. And I think all the things that built up to it were, I mean, from my childhood, and I think I'm realizing that more and more, But when I got into college, it really started to show and the cracks started to give. And there was a lot of ups and downs. There were moments where I thought I was better. And sometimes it just, it kind of dipped. And I was like, all right, maybe I'm not better. And then it would go back up and I'm like, oh man, maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And then it just goes back down. And then at this point, I'm just kind of like prepared for these lows. And I'm just trying to learn um, throughout time how to handle them. And oftentimes I'm in a different city, I'm in a different environment. Um, My life's changing since I'm in my early 20s. And I mean, that's just how generally how it works in life. And so as I switch into different environments, um, my mental health kind of affects me, or at least it looks a a little bit different um, every time it comes around. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way, it's become very tumultuous and and different in a sense, but also very much the same.
0: Hmm. I hear that, like, there's kind of a normality in the ups and downs And you kind of have Mm -hmm. to prepare yourself and get used to that normality, I guess. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to I want to backtrack a little bit. Uh, You and I met through Changing Tides Cafe, the virtual or was it Mm. the I think it might have been the AAPI hate group. I don't remember which one it was, Mm. Um, but. We met back then. Uh, We followed each other on Instagram. I didn't know much about you. Uh, I'm just now getting to know, like, I mean, at the time, also back to your statement about moving in different environments, like, you went to UCLA, when we met, you were calling in from Zoom, from Sacramento, now you're in Austin, Mm. Texas, so (laughs) you're definitely (laughs) moving around a lot, but um, then I went through your Instagram, uh, and I came across your posts, your very candid posts about eating disorders, Mm. Um, and do you mind if I start kind of by asking your experience with eating disorders?
1: Yeah, go for it. Are you asking me just in general? Yeah, you know, kind of wherever you
0: realize it started or, you know, how it showed, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I like distinctly remember um, the moment where it kind of really started, Um, but to kind of like backtrack, I think generally when I was growing up, it was pretty, it was fairly healthy. Um, I was always my body was fairly fit it was fairly lean um, I was always outside playing doing sports and my parents generally fed, fed us like healthy foods they were all about like multi-grain bread and I just really wanted that wonder bread but <laughs> I got that multi-grain <laughs> bread um, and then when I got into fitness I started working out in the seventh grade What is that maybe like 12 13 years old and from there I started doing this like wild thing where I would just like cut out everything that could pop potentially be labeled as quote-unquote bad and i would just cut that out of my diet i was like cooking my food i wasn't using seasonings i wasn't even trying to i was like using minimal amounts of oil Um, i was eating everything pretty raw so in a way it was almost kind of like a paleo style diet in retrospect um and i just kind of remember at certain points i was like i was doing fine i felt really healthy i felt really good about myself i remember one thing in the or in high school yeah i think it was in my junior senior year and then i was in my french class and then i was just one of, my, one, of our, one of my classmates brought cookies and they were trying to give them out to their classmates. And I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. And then they're like, they said the phrase live a little, which I hear until this day <laughs> from new people that I meet. And I'm just like, this is something that happens. Mm-hmm. It's going to continue happening, especially for somebody that's either struggling with an eating disorder or you're really focused on your health. So you have your diet is just a little bit different. Um, and it wasn't a huge issue. I went to college. I went to the UCLA dining halls, And because I kind of cooked my own food, I just ate what was there and just did my best, Um, but I allowed myself to eat um, things that I at that time I considered unhealthy. Um, It was definitely like all the way to one side in terms of kind of the extremes of what is healthy and I guess what is not. Um, But I started to kind of balance it a little bit um, out of necessity, but I think sophomore year, probably sophomore, possibly freshman year, so maybe 2016 would be my guess. I remember I went to the LA Fit Expo, and so the LA Fit Expo is this huge convention um, they have them all around the country, but the LA one's one of the bigger ones. Where all these vendors and all these um, fitness influencers on social media, they all come there and they're showcasing themselves. You have bodybuilding competitions, powerlifting competitions, and all this fun stuff. And they would give out a lot of samples. So you're out there, you're just getting a bunch of samples, trying out different uh, pre workouts, BCAAs, <laughs> protein powders, and like protein snacks. And I remember you would go back and you would have this like almost this goodie bag of just a bunch of like protein snacks um, from these vendors. And I remember I would just like be in my dorm and just be in the corner and I'm doing studying and I would just like take one here and there. And it was like, wow, this is like really sweet. And I feel like it has like a decent uh, distribution of macronutrients. So I felt kind of justified eating it, but also tasted pretty good. I think it had um, at least some artificial sweetening or just sugar itself. But to me, it tasted really good. But it was almost like this perfect point of, of, of satisfaction in terms of my taste buds, but then it wasn't enough for you to get overwhelmed. You're like, oh man, that was too sweet. I can't eat another one. And I just kept going and it wasn't a huge issue. I was like, oh, I kind of ate too much today. It's fine. It just happened once we'll go keep going on with life. So I didn't think about it, but then it kind of happened a little bit again and again. And then my weight started fluctuate a little bit. And then as time went off my like 2016 to like when I graduated in 2019, it's like every month, every quarter of the school year, every year, it just progressively got worse. I started eating more unhealthy things. I started eating in larger quantities. It started happening more frequently, and before I knew it, I was like, "I, I think I have an, an issue. Mm. There's an issue here. I didn't necessarily identify it as an eating disorder, but there's definitely a problem there." And once the binging got really bad, so at that point, you like go into a dining hall or you go down into Westwood Village, which is the the university. I guess like the little town outside of university campus and you just be there just like buying and eating food and just like stuffing yourself and just made you feel good. And then until it didn't. And at that point to make yourself feel better for feeling bad, you eat more and it's just this never ending cycle. And uh, I remember there were points where I'd run out of swipes for the dining hall. So I'd go, down into westwood but then as a college student you don't, don't have that much money but if you keep spending food on money and you're just like binging and just you're not thinking about what this costs you're just thinking i need food it's just like mm-hmm. this laser uh, focus and so that almost became a problem and then eventually i was thinking to myself i came out of one of the dining halls and i was like is there anything i can do to to compensate for this um i think exercise or like walking on tram trying to burn your calories that was one idea but i didn't do very much because i knew realistically that any bout of exercise isn't gonna have that much of a, a caloric effect and so i was like well i know people purge and i was like i can't believe i'm even trying this like that's not me but i tried to do it anyways and it felt terrible. I mean, you get bloated, you're like tearing up, you just, you're just you looking at the mirror afterwards, you're like, what is happening? Like, what am I doing right now? What's happening in my life? You're confused, you're kind of scared, you feel really bad, you know, you get very self-conscious about your body and just about you as a person. And then uh, from there, yeah, from there, it just got, it was just a battle. It got worse. I've seen many dietitians, psychologists, psychiatrists um, for eating disorders as well as depression, but Yeah, that's how the eating disorder developed and now it's definitely a lot better but i mean i could tell you endless amounts of stories about how that eating disorder kind of manifested itself in terms of how i uh, carried it out it gets Mm -hmm. pretty fairly dark
0: (laughs) so there's a lot of things you know in that that i want to get into a little bit more um you know, first I want to ask you about the seventh grade diet when, you know, it was like you were cutting out everything that seemed to be bad. And, you know, I know that you're a personal trainer. Now you have a much better knowledge of what's healthy, what's not healthy, um, and actual, like in diets and then also with the mental side of things. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, were you cutting out things back then that were considered healthy? Like, you know, everyone needs some sort of carb, every carb now and every now and then. Like, how did that affect your body and your mental, your mental
1: space as well? hmm. Um, I think back then I was, I was still like, in terms of like fitness, I was like somewhat balanced. I kind of knew that I would need my protein, fats and carbs. I wasn't fully into it or the whole caloric balance thing, but. I definitely had all like my food groups that I needed. Mm. I think I just replaced like let's say soda or chips now replaced with mm. water, milk, or just rice or maybe even bread or something like that, um, and a lot of vegetables and fruits. So I think in terms of like getting my nutrients in, I think I was doing pretty well, if not better. Mm. But, and I at the time there there wasn't a moment in my head where I was like I really wish I could eat junk food but i can't because i won't let myself i was just kind of like happy being where i was and so even at this point i'm not exactly sure how that type of kind of like really extreme um like healthy dieting where i just never touched any kind of um quote unquote junk food how that really affected me or how that how that create how that maybe fed into my eating disorder Mm. Um, so that's still something i'm trying to figure out um but I guess at this point I'm just like whatever the disorder is now like how do I tackle that now
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting because you know I guess my other question is was that all self-motivated or was there you know a social media presence in mm. why you want to be that fit or did you just like how it made you feel healthy and more energy like what you know that in seventh grade that's a young age to be so mm. dedicated to it especially just on your own accord so mm. I'm curious like what made you want to be so disciplined?
1: I remember, in terms of the fitness aspect, uh, my cousin. My cousin actually invited me out to Austin, and he lives mm-hmm. in Austin too. So it's the same cousin. He used to do this Korean martial arts called Hapkido, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a super like flexible, athletic. He was pretty ripped for his age. Maybe like maybe two years older than me, or one or two years older. And I was looking at him. I was like, How do I? How do I look like that? Like how do I? How do I look like you? Um, and I remember I was just like, just I was just driving home from school. My mom was driving me home from school in like seventh grade. My mom was just hanging out the window. We we're in a passenger seat and I was looking at my arm and I was like, my forearm and my upper arm is like the same size. <laughs> <laughs> and then to me, I was like, what? not to say like one's like, what should a human body look like? But to me at that moment, I was like, man, I wish my, my arms were a little bigger. I wish I was a little more bulky. hmm and so I asked my cousin, I was like, dang, you look good. How do I look like you? And then he essentially gave me, um, I haven't really fully watched One Punch Man, but I think uh, according to some people who I've told this story to, they say it's like a One Punch Man workout where he was like, you yeah, do 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, run a mile every day, that type of thing. It was just like 100, 100, 100, one mile. And so I did that every day. I first broke it up into little segments, so I couldn't do all 100 at once. So every, every hour on the hour, like Damn. 11 a.m., 20 push-ups and 20 sit-ups, 20 squats, and then noon, do it again, and then just keep doing it until I hit 100. And then that's how I started. And then obviously my training got a little more um, nuanced and a little more complex than that before Mm -hmm. I even got into weightlifting. So that's where I got the inspiration. But I think in general, even now, and I think for a lot of people in the fitness industry, um, one, it makes their body feel better. Um, Your mental health gets a lot of help from exercise, um, and if you just look at the science, it definitely has that effect. And so for general health and well-being, it definitely helps. And just like getting stronger, being able to be very capable of doing anything. Maybe somebody says, "Let's rock climb. Let's go play this sport that you've never played." They're like I don't know how to do it, but I know my body's able to do it somewhat proficiently, even if I'm a beginner. Right. Um, or just moving, like moving homes, moving apartments, moving houses. Like you're able to pick stuff up. You go grocery shopping. Not a matter of can you pick it up it's a matter of are you willing to put in the effort to pick it up and so like you're very capable and so you feel good uh-huh. about yourself and you're healthy but then also there's always going to be that aspect of um like I want to feel attractive I want to feel I want to look good uh, like for myself and, and if I'm being realistic for others as well um and I think for me as a straight male I was like I want girls to be attracted to me and I think as a kid that was like something I kind of wanted. it was always in the back of my head <laughs> like and so now is that as much of a driving factor probably not as much at this point um but it's definitely like still there so it's, right. it's a couple of reasons how I got into it
0: interesting yeah I mean yeah I mean first off as straight males not only straight males but like when we were younger like mm. Asian American ki- like guys weren't the thing so it's like <laughs> how do I kind of like, get, so, get a girl to notice me. It's, like, maybe hmm. I got to get buff. Like, you know, like, that's. I think that's a valid way to get into it because it's, like, I or maybe I don't know about valid, but, like, it makes sense because we, like, as Asian Americans, like, no matter where you grew up, it was kind of hard to feel, like, wanted, I guess, when Absolutely. it wasn't the thing. Um, but, you know, yeah, I find all that really interesting because I didn't really start, I'm First off, if people aren't listening they're not familiar with will will's a super jacked dude like will's <laughs> will's terrifying like i work out <laughs> I work out, but will like works out works out um so I think there's a it's it, it's cool to hear this from you because first off you you made it through i mean obviously you're still struggling, but you know you didn't get the it, that did get the best of you. I guess, mm-hmm. um, but to hear it from someone that looks like you, works out like you, I think it's important because it, it gives you a range of ideas of like, oh, it doesn't just impact this person or someone that looks like that. Like yeah. eating disorder is gonna hit, hit anyone. But mm-hmm. with that, because you did kind, of, you did get, you're here still, you got through to the other side, you're still struggling with it. But how did you start to unlearn? your thoughts on diet like I know you said like eventually you just had to make a change but how did you do that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I would definitely say now I don't struggle with at least I don't purge I think that was Mm -hmm. a huge like milestone for me where I was could like tell myself not to essentially throw up right um, intentionally or, or voluntarily and I think one was just the practical effect of like I one of my most self-conscious parts of me are just feeling bloated. Um and like specifically like when I bloat or I add a couple pounds, I lose like jawline definition. And for me, mm. that's just like one of the things that makes me feel very self-conscious, uh, more than anything else. And I know when I voluntarily voluntarily throw up, I get bloated, especially around my face. And I know that I don't want that. Mm. And then so I know just like if I'm weighing it out, just having those extra calories is probably gonna affect me a little bit less. And so that's like one practical aspect, but I'm talking about like in the bigger picture. Um, I definitely think it's for me, it's emotional eating. I eat when I'm sad, I eat when I'm bored, and eat when I'm stressed. It's just like this short burst of like it makes you feel good. Um, I think it's like definitely like very similar to like an addiction where like a drug might make you feel good for the moment, but it's like secondary effect or it's more long term effect, it has like a negative aspect to it. And I think thing that kind of prevented me from doing is just being happier in life. I think it was very closely tied to my depression Mm -hmm. and every time I had depressive episodes, I would go to food to help me feel better. And that would eventually make me feel worse and Mm -hmm. then I'll get deeper into a depression and it was just this like this feedback loop where you're just constantly just getting worse, just feeding off each other, which was like a very unfortunate thing. But once I got to a point where like mentally I was a little more stable, Um, I wasn't having like super highs or super lows. And then once I started moving forward with my life, after I moved to Austin, um, I didn't have as much of a reason to be binging and purging. Hmm. Um, like I was already either busy or kind of satisfied with other aspects of my life. So I didn't really need that extra bump to kind of like get me pushing through life. Um, So yeah, so when I I still hit those lows, I mean, this past week was probably the lowest I felt since almost like maybe like six to 10 months. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing really well, but that was probably the lowest I had maybe this like four or five days ago. And um, I think eating was just kind of like, it was a a part of it. It moved together. And that's what Mm -hmm. I always sense, like my eating disorder habits, my binge eating disorder habits, and my mental like state in terms of like, is it? in the low depressive state like they go hand in hand they're like very correlated if you Mm -hmm. look like along the timeline
0: yeah i mean (laughs) i couldn't agree more in terms of my own experiences um Mm -hmm. because i'm glad you touched on that and i'm glad that you you know you have the self-awareness to know that because sometimes we don't notice that like i'm sure maybe Mm -hmm. in the past you were able to pick up on oh when i feel depressed i go to food um, mm. But the fact that you're self-aware enough to at least know that, like you know, that's at least a step in the right direction. Um, so, you know, beyond your story, which is powerful as it is, like for your in your own right respect, like you took it upon yourself to start talking about this publicly in a way to help others, mm. um, which is huge. But was the smash talk eating disorder panel at US- UCLA? your first public engagement speaking about eating disorders?
1: I think, yeah, so formally it definitely was, Mm -hmm. um, I was already doing like public speaking like here and there. Um, but this was the first one where I was there for the purpose of talking about eating disorders, um, before I had mentioned it, and I was part of the alumni scholars club and I was serving as a director there. I think at the time it was either, alumni relations director or the vice president of the alumni scholars club and when i would talk to like congregations of people um, whether it was our general quarterly meeting or just smaller groups um, at the quarterly meeting i kind of spoke some of my story out there as well um, but it definitely wasn't an event for mm-hmm. that like i just mentioned it for a short maybe five minutes mm-hmm. um so yeah the smash talk in of panel was definitely the i would say the first actual one um that was the one. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I that's how I uh, connected with, uh, with Margaret and Little right. Tokyo Service Center and Changing Tides. And so that was really cool. I think she was there for Caitlin Ohashi. Unless she's... And then, and then, <laughs> so I'll, but I'll, she met me.
0: <laughs> so I'll tell you this much. Um, yes, that is why she was there. But because I just I just talked to her about it this week. Yeah, because uh, she was so happy to hear that you're going to be on the podcast. Mm. But... She she was telling me about I told her yeah, I'm gonna interview Will. She says, no, I went to this thing for because Caitlin Ohashi was gonna be there. But when I heard Will speak, I had to talk to him and you know he I just thought his story was so engaging and so moving. Like Mm. she she's your she's one of your biggest fans. Um (laughs) so regardless of why she was there, she left being a huge bigger fan of you but you know taking another step back i keep taking steps back but taking another step back like what what made you decide like my i should tell this to people like Mm -hmm. it's it takes vulnerability it takes strength to be able to tell it publicly so what told Mm. you or why did
1: you start telling people about it um i think it Ends up coming down to my personality. Um, I'm I've been constantly talking to people this past week because of because of my my low. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I talked to my brother. Um, I talked to a friend that just reached out um, from my, my high school days, and I think I just I know, and I've always known this. I've been like always kind of an empath. I've been I've been sensitive. Um, if you're into astrology, which I don't really know much about but i i understand that pisces and water signs are are kind of emotional sensitive people so i guess in that way they're partially right Um, i feel i feel a lot and Mm. i feel a lot for other people which has put me in some difficult spots because when you're somebody that's constantly feeling for other people and you always you feel that and because you feel that you want to do things for other people but if you put yourself into that position too many times it could be exhausting it could be draining and it could like cause you to burn out because um, you're not doing it because you expect anything in return. But when you do things without solicitation, people aren't asking you to do it. And you're just doing nice things for them. At some point, you're like, man, like, where am I in my life? And I'm giving all this love, but where is the love that I'm receiving? Mm-hmm. And like, when you don't focus on that, you kind of forget who loves you and and like why you're doing things. So because I'm that type of person, I think it made it pretty easy. Um, uh, pretty easy to just kind of share my story. Um, I think I tried to make it a little bit unique in the fact that I was somebody going to these panels, going to these speaking engagements as a person that was like currently going through like the, just the middle <laughs> of, of uh, like, or like the peak of, of the difficulty. And I was speaking about what was happening as opposed to what happened mm. sometimes. And I think I wanted to give that unique perspective um, for people that were listening, um, especially people that are, were currently going through it. Because when I think about it, as somebody who's currently going through it, I was thinking, well, I'm hearing all these people talk about kind of their story of of finding that light at the end of the tunnel and getting to the other side. Um, but at the time, I was like, I don't feel like that's going to happen for me. And I think for people that are in it, like deep into it, the whole issue is that they don't see any possibility of things getting better right and then so when you hear that you almost get frustrated you're like man these people are doing well but Mm. that can't be me like why i just you just misery loves company you just want to hear somebody else just suffer with you (laughs) and so i was like all right well if i want to hear that maybe somebody else might want to hear that maybe somebody Mm. else would feel good about hearing somebody else is going through it currently so they don't feel alone um just at that moment and so i was like part of the reason why but, and if I'm talking just kind of more, less deep, I just like public speaking. It makes my mm. stomach kind of flip over. It's like, <laughs> you get the butterfly. I still get nervous, but I love doing it because it's just it's so exciting. I just, I love feeling that old feeling. feeling. Um, yeah. So something about that. And, like, I, and I know myself and I know that whenever something makes me feel uncomfortable, I kind of move towards it because I don't want to be afraid of it. Uh. And so I like adopt it or I become it. Um, and I just like. Absorb it so that I'm not afraid of it anymore. <laughs> um Maybe that's uh part of the reason why uh, I like the way I do now, <laughs> dude. That
0: it's it's so interesting to hear that. Well, I, I I'm gonna have comments upon this, but it's so interesting to hear that because from the first time like we were in like that virtual I can't remember what changing tides event it was, but I could mm. tell like you were a very empathetic person. But when you ju- when I saw your screen pop up and your video one, I was like. Why is this, how is this guy as emotional as he is? Like, I, like, I shouldn't mm. be thinking that way. Like, I've been yeah. changing times, but I was like, this guy, Will, is so, such an empath, but he doesn't look it. It's like, your tattoo, your neck is tatted, like, yeah. and then, like, you see how shredded you are on Instagram, it's just like, damn, this guy, <laughs> this guy is just, like, an enigma. Like, you never would have thought it. Yeah. But secondly, um my girlfriend is also super huge empath. Like it's crazy. And Mm -hmm. she, she like the way you just described being an empath and like you feel like it's, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. She always tells me that like, it's so hard because it's like when, you know, where's the care for me? But I think what I always try to say is like, it, it's kind of a thankless job because people mm. know that you're going to always do it. So it's kind of like, because like, you just know it's their job. It's like, that's kind of like mm. how people see empaths sometimes. It's just a, like thankless jobs in general. Yeah, You're not always going to say thanks because you know that person's always going to be there. So I just try to say like, imagine how difficult your friends would have it if you weren't there. Like, mm-hmm they they know you're there but like if you weren't there for them that might add more pressure to you but like even if you're not being thanked they need you yeah they rely on you so i hope even though like it's hard to see that like the love isn't coming your way i Mm. hope you know like these everyone really like all your friends they really Mm. appreciate when you're always there for them so i just hope you can remember that because i know it's tough sometimes
1: for sure Um, yeah i think uh Empaths also often like move towards occupations that require that. Mm. Um, I was teaching eighth grade math for a while, another thankless job. <laughs> um, so, like, I was oh, like, man, man, I can't I'm doing this again. And then my mental health just wasn't there. And I was, mm. I was, uh, and it was just like the whole stress of the job. And, and that's how I ended up leaving. Um, mm. But yeah, and I think they kind of reflected in my life. I'm like, all right, I need to figure out how to. I don't know, take care of myself and make sure that I feel whole, that I feel good about my life uh, before like putting myself out there like that. I think it was important that I took that step back. It was difficult. Um, I felt like I was abandoning the kids that I was was supposed to be mentoring, Um, but it was just a moment of like, well, I'm just not the right person for this job right now. Um, And then going back to uh, what you said when you saw me in the box of the screen, I definitely, that makes it harder. It definitely makes things harder (laughs) because lots of times people that, the type of people that I want to meet Mm. Don't look at me and be like, huh, that's usually the type of guy that I would like to know. And then so we, sometimes I, I feel like I miss out on opportunities mm. to meet the people that I would really vibe with. Mm. And then I end up attracting people that look at me, make that same judgment and then be like, that's exactly what I want. And then they meet me and then I'm not that guy because I'm just like, uh, I'm like way more soft than they expected. So it makes things a little bit difficult. Um, but uh I just, I just kind of accept it because I'm like, well, I, I don't want to stop being me. And if being right. me means I just kind of have this weird paradox, then mm. I guess so be it. But it's, uh, it's quite a challenge. But it also makes me more, it makes me less judgmental because mm. I can't be going around making judgments about other people if I know what happens to me and I know it doesn't feel good. Right. So it almost helped me grow in a way.
0: I think it also makes the people close to you like they're the people close to you cuz they get to know you, you get to know them, like it's it's like it's a deeper connection because of that. And that yeah. kind of works perfectly for you cuz you're an empath. <laughs> you're a feeling guy, so I think that deeper connection is what you want anyway, but I hear that. That's interesting. Like for me, even though I just have for me it's just a beard, like I'm an Mm. Asian guy with a beard. Like, people don't see Asian dudes with (laughs) Asian hair often. But, like, they're like, oh, he just looks older than what I would assume. So it's just Mm. like, it's like, I mean, that's a much smaller scale, but I hear you. Like, Mm. you're not, people make a a value, a face judgment. And it doesn't necessarily represent what's underneath. But getting a little bit off topic, but I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) I'm glad to hear you love public speaking. And I think it's great, like, that it wasn't, super taxing for you to tell your story because you enjoy the process of public speaking Mm -hmm. but you know from smash talk you did speak at ltsc social services and then again Mm -hmm. you spoke at the changing tides mental health conference like our first one the only one we've done so far like you continue to do this but like as you continue to speak at these different groups like how do you react like when you're asked to speak how do you feel about that like do you feel nervous excited like i guess i'm trying to say like uh is there any imposter syndrome with that or are you do you just take it head on and you're excited for it
1: um i don't think i run into too much imposter syndrome there even in college i didn't feel it too much because um, I, had, I had this weird i had this thing where like i used to as a kid i mean you're just kind of shy you're kind of nervous about things you're meeting new people going new places but i moved around like 10 11 times I went to like three different elementaries three different middle schools two different high mm. schools so i constantly had to adapt and i also had this like drive to be like s- to succeed in whatever i was doing and so i had to figure out a way to like allow myself to get through mm. and to talk to people and to engage despite the fact that naturally i'm kind of an introverted person and so i kind of like blindly was like put on the suit of armor and i was like Let's go! Like I'm gonna go talk to people because I'm a freaking monster. Like nothing can stop me, and that's that's what my training was like in high school too. And like I'm a lot more calm now. Um, and I look at the past me. I'm like that dude wasn't scared of anything. Like there was. I remember in college, I was taking this class. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, well, how am I gonna like get through this class? How am I gonna get a good grade in this class? And I was like, well, since it's a curved class, all I have to do is beat everybody else. And so that's what I'm gonna do. And if anybody asks me, how are you going to do that? Because, like, you don't understand the material. I'm like, I have no idea, but there's no other option than to be the best. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that kind of drives me. But in this case, it's partially that, but also um, it's like an, it's just an honor. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like public speaking. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but that opportunity doesn't always come up. Because you can't just, like, go to the YMCA, like, you go play basketball. Like, you can't just, like, go somewhere and just be like, all right, I'm just gonna public speak and everybody's <laughs> gonna just watch me, right? But if somebody right. like produces this event and they bring you on, and there's already gonna be people there, then like you have an audience. Like mm-hmm. you can't just like casually public speak. Like you need, it almost has to always be a formal thing because people have to be, there has to be an audience. Um, and for me to have this opportunity to like talk about my experience, I feel heard. And if I can help other few people feel heard by sharing my story, it's like everybody's winning. And right. another thing is like, I love uh, Chaining tides, LTSC, because like when I'm with you guys, I feel like the world is such a beautiful place. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and like sometimes I'm going through life and I'm like, man, this is tough. Like I feel like there's so many people that just don't care or maybe mm. they're going through their own things. So they're not, they're projecting uh, things that aren't making everybody feel good around them. And it just, it's confusing. But and I'm trying to figure out what's right what's wrong everybody has this different perspective but everybody also thinks they're right and so it gets very confusing and because I don't fully understand where my principles lie in the world sometimes because sometimes I think a little bit too nihilistically um, but when I'm with a group of people that are literally there because they want to listen and understand each other um, and be there for each other and like nobody's like yelling and getting super angry at each other. Like everybody's like, all right, I disagree, but let me just like calm myself down, listen, try to understand and have a discussion. Uh, so anything like that in both you guys, it's like the world makes more sense. <laughs> the world makes more sense. I appreciate hearing that from you, but also like, even though
0: I work, like I'm in Changing Tides, like I'm part of the crew, like I work for Changing Tides, like mm-hmm. it's, I feel I get the same way, like, especially these days like you look around the world and you're like man like it looks like the world's gonna end tomorrow or like mm. in three minutes like it looks like that all the time but then like when when we are able to get a group together where everyone is in this like-minded of improvement it's like man how come I, everyone can't just be like this how come we can't all just get together and agree like maybe the world would be a better place if we all i don't know cared about one another's mental health or cared for our own mental health like So I hear you and I appreciate hearing that. Um, But, you know, jumping forward a little bit, it's been about two years since the Mental Health Conference. It was in 2019, or like just in the beginning of 2022. Um, Where are you in your mental health journey
1: and your relationship with food now? Man, um, I remember that event. I was, uh, I think I quit my job like maybe a, a couple weeks before it or a week before it. And I was in like a super low place. And mm. somehow I got my body to the event. <laughs> like I was like, I had like just no energy to like mm. just do anything in my life. But somehow like I was like, I made this commitment. I'm gonna go. I have to go. So somehow I made it. I remember during the event when we broke up into the workshops, I was like, I literally just had to leave one of them. And I was just like sitting outside, just wandering around the neighborhood. Uh-huh. Um, Cause it was just like, I was in a tough spot, but yeah, I just, I just want to mention that, but yeah, great event. Uh, <laughs> great event. Um, but yeah, where am I, where am I now? Definitely still fighting um, as, as proved by like this past week. Um, definitely the lowest I felt. Um, sometimes I have the same conversations with my brother ever since college, the same conversation about, like, life and, and what I'm supposed to do in it. Um, but I think the main thing for me is I just have to know that that time will pass. And I know that when I first heard that, when I was first going through it, I was like, that sounds ridiculous. Like, what do you mean, it's just going to pass? Like, how do you know it's going to pass? Like, can you right. guarantee it? So you can't guarantee it. But just based on my experience, as it I go along, I know that that moment passes after a little while. And if I just wait it out, most of the time I can just get through it and then my life kind of goes back to normal almost. At least now it does, ever since I came to Austin, because now I have like a new group of friends. Um I have a new job. It's just a different city. I can just I'm i make like a new version of myself. Um, I'm able to be just like whoever I am. Nobody really knows me. And so yes, yeah, so when those moments happen, I'm like, I just don't want to go back to that lowest hole that I was before. And so I just wait. I just like hold on. For dear life, it's like a ride on a roller coaster without the safety thing. You're just you're just holding on, yeah. and you feel like like I feel like I'm about to fly out of this thing, but like you just <laughs> holding whole on. Like this ride is going to end mm-hmm. in a couple minutes, and and so that's essentially what it feels like, and uh, it's scary. Um, uh, not hundred percent sure what to do about it. Uh, it just it happens. I think the whole mental health like, journey is this long trek, and uh, you just kind of learn as you go and Mm -hmm. you just like pick up some patterns and you figure out all right if this is gonna i know this might happen again what can i do to like help myself get through it and is it hard yes i still have to go to work i'm training people just put on this mask sometimes and i just get through it and then right after i leave i'm all sad again (laughs) like but you just fight through it it's a hard couple days a hard week a hard month whatever however long that that episode lasts but i just kind of push through it and I keep. Just keep crossing my fingers and have this hope uh, i think the reason why i'm still here on earth is because for some reason i just have this hope inside of me that the things that are going to make me happy and the things that i love are going to be there or are going to to arise and be a part of my life more consistently and then just that like little thought in my head like gives me hope that i need to keep going and it's not something I'm like trying to think, it's just something that my brain automatically thinks. And that's that's just how I, I stick around. Um, so yeah, an eating disorder, it kind of goes hand in hand with the depression. So if I'm handling my depression, I can generally handle my eating disorders, but I do eat emotionally eat here and there, but it's not to the point where I'm like vomiting or I'm binging so hard. Um, it's just small fluctuations in weight that I'm be able to manage a little better.
0: Yeah, you know, and I don't think anyone from Changing Tides will take offense to hearing like you had to step out of the workshop. Like I don't think we thought that was you anyone will think that's you saying you didn't enjoy the event. Because I think a lot of us have been there in the state of where you have to remove yourself. You have to just kinda of be alone no matter where it is, how abrupt it might feel to you. Um a lot of us have to go through that just take remove myself. I have to step away. And mm. that feeling of you have to put on a brave face and then right when you you can like remove that mask that's like when those downs are so low when you have to do that like it's so difficult to put on that brave face like it's it's almost like a relief to feel sad again like it's the it's or to feel <laughs> depressed again like it's the weirdest yeah. sensation so i just hope you know i have i hope you know that everyone at Changing ties is here for you but um cuz I, I like I I want you to know like this is something that a lot of people go through and a lot of and I, like people are going to be in your corner even if they don't know exactly how you feel because you have your own experiences as a person of course like people have been there they have made it out so I just want to let you know that because it's tough but um, I do have some quick fire questions but before we get there. Uh I have was curious if there's anything else you wanted to say or anything I didn't discuss yet that you wanted to touch on. Um uh, not that I can think of. We're gonna hit Will with some quick fire questions. Um you don't have to think too hard on these. Some people like to take their time. Uh if you have a different answer, you can let me know and I'll let the audience know in the next episode. <laughs> but <laughs> Don't you know? Don't stress on this one. All right. Mm, cool. Yeah. So first off, what is a skill you don't have, but wish you did
1: have? Um, oh man. I feel, Okay. This one's pretty easy, but I think how to, how to word it. I think it's, uh, in general, be better at building maintaining and navigating relationships with people. Mm. Um, so both for platonic and romantic relationships, um since i've come to austin i've really been like really finally getting into the dating scene but geez it's hard (laughs) and just even just the whole friends thing i've like i've lost friends before and it's just it it gets frustrating it's really sad um and so just like navigating that being able to how to like make compromises how to um speak to people in a way where they feel heard Mm. um how to manage situations where they do something that makes you feel sad or uncomfortable and if they don't understand it how do you get to the, them to understand where is the point at which you should I guess like move on from a relationship with somebody uh, or is it something that you should battle through and try to figure mm-hmm. out and so just all these questions that come up with relationships I think they can get fairly complex um, I just want to get better at that and so I'm like learning and I also just want to continue to be the best person that I can be um, while also finding things that are good for me in my mm-hmm. life. That's tough though. I mean,
0: we all need that skill. Really. <laughs> like you're hit. You, that's tough. Um, but next one. Um, what is your go-to PR song?
1: Oh, go-to PR song. Um, I always tell people I listen to a lot of different music and a lot of different genres, which I do. Cause I, if I think if there's a genre that I don't like, I'm thinking there's some type of music, and I love music that I'm not enjoying. I know some people are enjoying this, but I want to enjoy as much as I can in life. So if I can enjoy more genres of music, because music is one of the things that make me feel really good. Um, and it really drives my life, my motivations. Um, I was like, I have to figure it out. But if you look at my Spotify rap, most of it just says like four different genres of hip hops in the top five. <laughs> um, my top five artists for just all... Um, like rappers and then one R and B artist and I was like, uh-huh. this, this looks very one one dimensional. So my my hype songs are definitely uh, some type some type of like just like some hard just slapping rap songs, um, <laughs> either from the Bay or maybe some L A mm-hmm. rap, but or just some like I can listen to some EDM music mm. that has like a nice build up. Um, definitely not my go to, but my song yeah i don't know if there's like a specific song okay um my top artist this year and like the past like three years was yg nice so (laughs) maybe one of his songs (laughs) for sure um
0: what's your least favorite muscle group to train
1: um i think it changes my favorites change too my favorite right now is back Hmm. but my least favorite Oh, man. Okay. This one would be interesting because nobody know what I'm talking about. But if we're talking about, like, a body part, I'm thinking about, like, every muscle that exists in the okay. body. So, we're not talking about, like, like oh, just chest, back, or, like, push-pull exercises, and then legs in general. But if I had to pick, like, a specific muscle, it would be the tibialis anterior, which is the front of your uh, – the bottom part of your leg. Um, okay. So, it's, it's, it's pretty much your shin. So, when you do calves, oh. you push off the floor and you get up on your tippy toes. But if you bring your toes – up towards your shin, it's called dorsiflexion. That huh. also has a muscle that is, that connects to it. So there's a muscle in the front of your shin yeah. that lifts your toe up towards your shin. It's called the tibialis anterior. And I was like, I was trying to like th- I thought that it might help my shin splints. And mm. I was like, there's a muscle I'm not training. Maybe my lower leg will look slightly, ever so slightly, <laughs> more jacked if I do that. Since my calves are just like they're like fine, but they're not huge. Just uh-huh. you so that's like the one I don't do. I don't like doing the most because it's just boring. It's also <laughs> so okay. boring. on to train. I had a. I.
0: I had the same thought process because I was having shin splints in like college when I tried to play basketball again after like three years of not playing. So yeah. I. I. I just got a band. I. I sat really far away and I just like flexed my foot and held it, and like I, I felt the burn <laughs> in it. I don't wow. know if it did anything, but it was boring. I was just, like, saying it on my phone, like, for, like,
1: two oh, yeah. minutes at a time. But I literally do reps. I'm just laying down just on my phone. It's just so boring. <laughs> yeah, I just held it. But, yeah, that's that's
0: an interesting one. Because I remember, like, asking my other friend who, who mm. at the time, was just starting his, um, what's it called? Like, his PT program. I can't remember the exact mm. name of his program. But I was like, is there much muscle in your shin? Like, does that even make sense? But... It helped. So uh-huh. I, I guess it helped a little bit. Um, if you were a superhero, what would your power be?
1: <laughs> I immediately thought, like, this the softest, soft boy thing ever. It's like, I just spread love. <laughs> like, everybody just feels love. Like, everybody starts loving each other. And, and like you feel love, you're happy, and then you're sharing it. I mean, that was my instant uh, thought. Uh, so I guess it's like, people think about like world peace. i guess it's like kind of like that um if i was thinking like and i was like more more of a fun superpower uh i think i've always wanted to fly when I, every time i thought about it as a kid because that question comes up all the time when you're a kid uh-huh. you're watching a superhero movie like oh i wish i was a superhero i think flying would be really cool it would just be so free because i love like just driving around listening to music mm-hmm there's like a fly around (laughs) (laughs) just be like for no traffic like when you want to get away from things you just you can be alone wherever you are so it's probably we all know
0: and i'm gonna if you if it's cool with you i'll ask you later but if it's cool that we tag your instagram i'll tell everyone that will doesn't need to ask for super strength because (laughs) he's already got it (laughs) here's here's a so people aside i just want to know about like location texas or california and why
1: location california easy um number one reason is the weather the weather and the views like texas there are some national parks um that's about it (laughs) because uh because i mean in terms of like what man texas texas people are listening to this I live in Texas, I'm enjoying a <laughs> great place. <laughs> but the national parks and the views, the beaches, like the, the coastline, um, the weather in California is just so amazing. And oh. I understand why people pay the premium to live in California. Um, Cause like the place I live in, Houston's worse, where my brother lives. But in Austin, it's like, it's humid. It gets humid oh. and the weather is like, It's very hot. It's like very hot, but the humidity gets you. So if you go to Central California, like in Fresno or something, you'll constantly get above 100 degrees Mm -hmm. throughout the summer. Like here, you won't always get that. Maybe like 90s, maybe you'll hit 100, maybe you'll just break it. But the humidity just feels gross. You step Mm. outside, you just feel disgusting. You have to take a shower like at least twice a day if you (laughs) want to feel like somewhat Uh. like you're a clean person. (laughs) <laughs> um, so i do i do miss california especially the bay area i love mm. the bay bay's weather um and then i of course i miss all my friends and uh well, we're not talking about people but i miss my friends in la so mm. what about the food scene though uh california oh man well in general especially if you like uh cuisines from different cultures California is still okay. the, the way to go, definitely. Um, whether you're in the Bay or in your LA, um, here I think there's some good Mexican food, um, and the barbecue is really good. Right. Um, but if you're like looking for like Korean food or mm. I don't know, any kind of ethnic food, like I think generally speaking, California does it a lot better. Especially Korean food. And since I'm Korean, like I love Korean food. I've been trying to learn how to make some of the stuff, but like I wouldn't consider myself a cook, mm. and so I do miss like just going to K Town right so
0: (laughs) i I didn't have this question i didn't have that question i don't have this question but i'm just curious like Mm -hmm. where's the how far is the nearest like asian supermarket
1: um so austin's kind of unique because when i first visited austin i was thinking to myself like i don't feel like i don't feel the culture shock i don't feel like i'm getting into the stereotypical like southern um, atmosphere like the texas atmosphere and uh the reason is Austin's like very unique within Texas. So people in Texas will look at Austin and think this is kind of a different place. This is not stereotypically what our state generally is like. Um, it's a lot more progressive. Um, it's a, it's a tech hub of Texas. So like there's a Google buildings and a lot of people in tech that move here from whether it's the East coast or from California. And so, and, and like a lot of new businesses have popped up. There's definitely like a, like, gentrification going on and so in that way you come here and you're like wow like, i don't feel like i'm completely far from california um so yeah so the culture here is like pretty unique for texas but for me it's a lot much easier transition because mm. i'm used to a lot of the stuff that the the people do here like mm. the lifestyles that they live um so what was the question <laughs>
0: uh where <laughs> where's the nearest uh asian supermarket
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was completely up it's I okay that be- no that's I interesting that, still yeah i say that because i was trying to preface that because that kind of explains why there's more cultural things here gotcha and so there are a bunch of asian supermarkets there's at least like at least like four or five that i can just remember off the top of my head huh. they even have an h mart um up north. Oh, okay. so they do have korean stores um they have like maybe little korean plazas little asian plazas with like Night Night Ranch and like Daiso's and like stuff like that. And they have like a decent amount of boba spots too. So hmm. I think they, these kind of maybe all the implants brought that culture into the city. I'm not sure, but there definitely are Asian uh, stores. And I do have a, a favorite one. Okay. See, because I was, I figured that was what the preface was saying
0: is that like there was enough of your, your like the, your Asian fixes or Asian yeah. food fixes, but I was going to leave it. I wasn't going <laughs> to. I was gonna ask you the question again. I figured that was the answer, but I was just curious because when I was in Chicago, there was only one and it was like pretty wow. far away. I was surprised. Only like one in downtown Chicago and then out in the suburbs outside of Chicago. So that's surprised. I'm actually pretty surprised that Austin has a lot. Yeah, there's um, a good amount. Good, good. Um, if you could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be?
1: Oh gosh, five. <laughs> um oh man this is tough um I think okay well maybe I'll try to go by category Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna tell people since I don't really have role models I'm gonna mm. just say to the audience that this might not be as insightful <laughs> as you might want this to be um no so worries. sports Tim Duncan I was always a San Antonio nice. fan, even though before I even even thought about moving to Texas right any relation to Texas um I think it's just like a very humble, hardworking guy. very talented. He gets the job done, mm-hmm. but he doesn't feel like feel the need to put out this extra stuff. He doesn't get. He doesn't let the pressure really get to him to become a person that is not. I think right. doing the flashy stuff is fun. I like to do that stuff as well, but if it's not you, it's like you just just don't. He doesn't like feel like he gets pressured into it. So say Tim Duncan. Um, if we wanted the fitness world, oh man. I'm just going to say a funny one. There's a, this fitness, like influencer named Lauren Finley. And then when I was in college, I had like a huge, like, fi- like crush, crush on her. And then I'll see her at the expos. So <laughs> I just say that just just to okay. Um uh, Three. Oh man. Um, I remember I had this moment. I watched uh, Marshall, I think it was on Netflix, about Thurgood Marshall and NAACP. Um, I'm glad I didn't say uh, NCAA. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so after watching the movie, I was just so, like, inspired. I was like, man, like, he went through such a tough time, and he just really fought for, for what, what he believed was right, and despite all the stuff that, all the flack that he got from that, he just kept going because he felt that this was right and made him feel whole. And I was, I don't think I could ever be as motivated and committed a person as he was to his cause. But I think just hearing that and getting to see what kind of person he was would have been um, pretty cool. I think, I might've been wrong, but I think he was the first African-American Supreme or black Supreme Court justice. Hmm. <laughs> um, all right, and then four, oh, man, this is getting tough. Um, oh, one of my friends, Eunice um she was most most beautiful soul slash person I'd ever met she's like I thought I was an empath and like if there's if I've met somebody that's that's more of that than me it's probably her (laughs) and uh I would I just haven't seen her in a while so I'd definitely like to see her again and uh number five I guess my uh my aunt Faye, who who passed away before i ever met her mm-hmm. i think she was probably late teens or early 20s and um i guess i won't disclose too much because i don't know i feel like it's more of my dad's story but he, he her relationship with my dad and like her knowing who he was and the love they had for each other and uh, how their relationship affected my dad um and since she's not around anymore and i never got to meet her i would love to Get to know who she was, and so I can connect and relate and have more compassion and empathy for my dad and his relationship with her. So I have a better understanding. Um, so, yeah, I think those would be my five. Yeah, quite
0: the, <laughs> quite the mix of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then to round it out, what would the title of your
1: autobiography be? The, the thing that comes to mind first is, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> it would just be something along those lines where it's like, it would just be this super, super like nice, nice cover and photo. And and like, everybody's like, oh, I want to read this dude's autobiography. Like he's been such an influential person in the world. And, <laughs> and then they read it and it says just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and then I think that's the case for a lot of people. Mm. And then even for myself, and it's just, as life goes on, you just get constantly hit by these like different twists and turns. And you're like, I had no clue that life was going to look like this. Anything you try to plan out, it just constantly changes. I never thought I'd be in Texas. I never thought I would actually become a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, never thought I would have the challenges that I did. Um, I never thought I would have some of the, the people in my life that I did. Um, and It's, it's a scary thing, but as you go through it, you do find beauty and, and a lot of it. Um, and yeah, I don't think, I think what I do know about myself is that I don't know anything. That's what I tell myself. Um, (laughs) as much as I think I know, there's going to be something I don't. And so when I disagree with somebody, I'm just like, well, maybe I just don't understand something. Or I don't understand them because clearly they don't understand me. So I just try to keep that mind and try to keep the open mind so that I have a better chance at um, knowing the truth about the world um, in the best way that I can. So I, never, I just don't know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I think it's, a, it's not like too clickbaity, but it's enough to make mm-hmm. someone curious. So I like uh. it. But Will, thank you so much for your time and again mm-hmm. for sharing your story with Changing Tides and LTSC um hope you're doing great in texas hopefully if you're around again we can invite you out to something changing tides related again but uh Mm -hmm. otherwise thank you and have a good one all
1: right thanks so much for having me um i appreciate being able to sit down and talk about everything and i hope the whole audience enjoyed what i had to offer so bye matt and uh bye audience love you all Thank you so much to Will for being on
0: the podcast and talking about his experiences with eating disorders. I think a lot of us can take something away from his story. Uh, A lot of us either have or a lot of us have body dysmorphia or a difficult relationship with food in one way or the other. And I think it's a journey that we all kind of have to figure out and navigate as you go. So I... Wish the best of luck to will i wish the best of luck to all of us and myself in our relationships with our own bodies and with food but with all that said i hope you did enjoy this episode our first episode back for season two Uh, you can subscribe to our show for our episodes releasing on every other tuesday and give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform if you would like to support our podcast and help us grow you can do so with a donation to the link at the bottom of the episode description and to hear more about Changing Tides, follow us on Instagram at LTSC underscore Changing Tides or check out our website, thechangingtides.org. Thank you so much for listening and let's continue to change the tides on mental health.